Welcome to Breaking Bible with the Tully Adventures Explore. It's a good day for some good news. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That's Jesus's good news to us in John 16, 33. As we face this new day and all it has for us, we find courage and hope in the only trustworthy words available. Tully Adventures, explore. The Bible. All right, this is the year of grace. We are on our third or fourth day. I think our fourth day of doing this. So we're almost getting uh, somewhere. We're almost getting okay at it. All right. All right, so this is the year of grace, 2022. We decided together that grace was going to be our theme, accepting grace, receiving grace, being more gracious to other people by accepting grace. You can't give something that you don't have, so we want to accept it first. So what we're going to do is look at some different verses from the Bible. Uh, we're taking them out of context, but they're verses about grace. Jen's going to read the address and then the verse. I'm going to explain a little bit about where the verse is from, what it means, how it is placed within the Bible, and then we will have a little discussion. Jen's going to say what the Holy Spirit's speaking to her as she considers this verse, and then I'll speak a little bit about that as well. And then we'll probably do maybe three, maybe four verses today, and that will be our time. We're so grateful to have you with us. We hope you're having a great time wherever you're at, an adventure that God has brought you onto, and that you're in his unforced rhythm of grace. So, with all that being said, Jennifer, what is the address of the first verse, and what is that verse? The address is Titus 2.11. I don't even know that name. <laughs> all right. Let me just say that I'm really amazed at how much you know about I don't know the history of these verses and it really has been very helpful to me it's funny you should say that today since titus is one where i'm gonna be uh scrambling a little bit hmm. but uh should be fun should be good okay yeah. all right so what is that verse god's readiness to give and forgive is now public salvation's available for everyone what did i say everyone we're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. Mm. This new life is starting right now and is whetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. He offered himself as a sacrifice. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, he did. He offered himself as a sacrifice. To free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good pure life making us a people he can be proud of all right so if i remember correctly i would love for any of you to correct me if i'm wrong uh comment on youtube let me know if i've missed this one but titus is another one of paul's uh interns is the easiest way to talk about it and although for me timothy is the easiest one to remember because Timothy is the one Paul's sending to a specific church to be the pastor of that church. Um, Titus is in a similar situation. He's being led into what is this, um, this life of understanding who, what Christ has done to religion and theology and the way we interact with God and the way we interact with the world. And so um, that's kind of what's going on here. This is an encouragement letter um, to help. Titus along as he's learning how to be a Christian and how to be 
in leadership as a Christian and walk the Christian life. Um, so I think it's fantastic that <laughs> the very first part of the verse is God has made it public. God's love is public. The way God interacts with us, everybody knows about it. So no one has an excuse except for, I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> so, uh, babe, what have you got so far? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you as you hear this verse? Salvation's available for everyone. Mm, okay. Everyone. Not the good people, not just the Christian people, not just the Jewish people, not, not just the people who are um, dedicating their life to God already, but for everyone. And that includes me. Ooh, that includes you. Wow. How does that make you feel? Uh, loved. Loved. Yeah. At peace. Is that a way you normally feel in, in life? No. Loved and at peace? No. Is that how you, what you live out of in your normal life when you're not thinking about God and you're just thinking about what you have to do and all of that? Um, it is definitely more now, okay. but before I realized that God's salvation was available to me, uh, no, it was not how I lived out my life. I was on task. I was determined. I was going to do all the things. Didn't care how my body felt. Didn't Just going to get it done. Mm. Get her done. <laughs> that's how it was. Um, and the next thing is starting right now. Mm. Not when I'm behaving better. Mm -hmm. Not when I've controlled my indulgences. Mm. Not when I've gotten on a diet or lost five pounds or stopped smoking that or stopped taking that but right now mm -hmm. even in the midst of whatever it is i'm doing right now yeah it's good stuff yep and I, I like where your head's at it starts right now god's salvation is not waiting for us to wash ourselves up there's an old hymn and the title is just as i am and the whole idea is that we don't bring to God our goodness or our perfection or our good works. We come to God just as we are. And one of my favorite verses is that our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. The very best we can do is still gross and disgusting to God. And it's interesting because filthy rags, actually, uh, it's toilet paper. <laughs> That's what it is. The very best we can do is toilet use toilet paper to God. <laughs> so as we're still striving to do better or be better or whatever it is, it misses out on the reality that we are God's holy and dearly loved children. And he is pleased with us even when he does not approve of the things we do. And as we realign our understanding of the world and of other human beings and of ourselves as holy and dearly loved children of God that he is pleased with, even when he does not approve of what we do. It changes the way we interact with ourselves. You know, it's it becomes, there's just no reason to judge ourselves. There's no reason to hold ourselves to some ridiculous standard and then walk out into the world and feel insecure because everyone's going to judge us the same way we judge ourselves. That's not how life works. It's not like how, it's not how life works anyway, but when we realize who we are, we can actually accept that other people, whether they're judging us or not, are judging us on a totally different standard than we have. 
And so our insecurities really are just us being judgy towards ourselves. And we wouldn't treat our kids that way. We wouldn't treat our grandkids that way. No. But we we just beat ourselves up, telling ourselves that we should be this, that, or the other thing, and missing out on what God has done. Do you do that personally? Absolutely. Um, not as much. Um, I'm, I'm always surprised at people who seem to consistently do it for most of the time in their life. I just... It doesn't make sense to me. I grew up in a church where um, forgiveness was was part of the deal. And, you know, I also, they, as you're growing up, you make a lot of mistakes when you're a kid and you have to learn a lot of things. And sometimes the people who are teaching you don't have a lot of patience because they've got their own stuff going on. Um, but I don't know if it's just... A, it's a it's a blessing that God gave me. That's really all it is, to have learned and understood very early that uh, everybody makes mistakes. You know, my parents were divorced, which was a big no no in the church, and yet everyone still loved my mom at the church. My mom, it seemed to me, beat herself up, and I certainly didn't want to do that. So, it it's possible that I'm on the other side of the road and sometimes I'm maybe even a little too lenient with myself. Um, but I would rather live in that grace. I would rather live in God loves me. God's working on me. He ain't done with me yet. I'm an unfinished project and he's still making me into what he wants me to be. And I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to beat myself up. I think more often than not, the biggest problem I've had when I beat myself up is I'm telling myself that I'm supposed to be something that I'm not made to be. That's the real problem. Um, there's There are verses in the Bible that say that God is the potter and we are the clay. Well, if God makes you into a dog bowl, then your usefulness is to hold water and food for a dog. If you try to then take that same bowl and go to a fancy place and feed fancy people, they're not going to like it. They're going to think it's gross and disgusting. So there's an old saying, get in where you fit in. You know, there are people who are going to love you and accept you because they're built the same way. They're the same type of people. To me, it's also how I looked at the different denominations in the Protestant church. Um, there's a metaphor in the Bible about we are the body of Christ. We are the body of, of God, that he is created we are the bride of Christ and we are that body and so if you're the foot and you go to a church that's filled with people who are hands you're going to feel out of place because you're going to be telling all these people who are hands who are busy doing this work that they need to do where they're at we ought to be going out and doing missionary work all over the world and da 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 uh no actually we are hands we're going to stay right here and work right here you're a foot, you need to go out there and get with the other missionaries and the people who are going all over the world because that's what God created you to be. And so, you know, and if you're the liver or if you're a white blood cell, if that's the church you're in, great. But if you're, you know, it just, it doesn't make sense to be with people who have been called to something else and just be fighting them. No, you need to do what I'm telling what I'm being called to do. That's not how it works. 
we're called to these things so that we can then go and be with other people, a community of people who are called to the same thing, you know? Um, I just, growing up, I saw that a lot in my church. Um, my pastor was a missionary. He uh, connected people all over the, pastors and churches all over the world together. Um, we were connected to churches in Africa and the Philippines and Mexico and the United Kingdom and uh, a bunch of others as well. He smuggled Bibles into Russia. My grandpa went with him a few times. Like That was part of his heart and his joy. And I have some of that in me. I love traveling. I love missionary style work. I love going to different places and being around different people, different cultures. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm in one place too long, I just kind of get agitated and there's somewhere I need to go and, and connect with, um, people and bring back these stories of a different way of doing life to help people understand what you're doing. If God's called you to that is good. Don't forget that there are other people who see different aspects of God and different ways of looking at God that are helpful as well, because none of us see the fullness of who God really is. Even as we read the Bible, we can't help but see it through our own lenses. You know, like I said, I have that missionary lens. So I love reading the parts about the people who are going to different places. I have a real struggle with the parts that are about, all right, live a simple life, stay where you're at, do what you need to do right where you're at, be part of the church and be helpful in the, that's, not written specifically to me and that's okay that's okay um anyway you got me off on a tangent the point is when i try to be one of the hands or um one of these something that i'm not called to be then it's going to it's going to break my spirit. It's going to break my heart. It's going to cause me to feel disconnected from God and from people. And when I try to force other people to be like me, that's where the judgment comes in. And so the other big aspect of that is I've got to let God tell me who I am and not all these other people. So those are does that answer your question? Yeah, is that helpful? Does. Is that, I, I know I like to jump off into these metaphors and all of this stuff. It was yeah. interesting and it made sense. Oh, well, thank you. That's, <laughs> that's good to know. Cause that's, I don't always feel like that's the case for people. Hello there. Nice to have you with us. Um, there's some people here on Twitch chat. So come all meet right. us there chat while we're, while we're doing this and let us know what's going on with you. We love to have people with us. Um, I have another yes. question yeah. about something you said. Sure, absolutely. So you said uh, you were talking about you know the bot, uh, the church being the body, uh -huh. and you mentioned the different Protestant nomination denominations, mm -hmm. denominations, <laughs> not uh <-huh>. nominations. Um, <laughs> where does Catholicism fit into all that? Like um, because you're Protestant, do you see it as like that's not really a thing that's over there, or not at all? How, how do you see it? I think that there, there, it's easy to fall into, you know, these are two conflicting ideologies and these people can't care about each other or love each other. The truth is we're all in pursuit of God and God being the judge, Christ, Jesus Christ being our savior, um, the Holy Spirit being the one who convicts us and our job is to love. And as we do that, it doesn't matter 
it, it's not as important how you pursue your faith. Um, you know, each denomination claims that one aspect of how we do Christianity is more important than another. So the three main aspects are baptism, which is being, um, which is having water put on you in some way. <laughs> At a, some age. As a washing of your sins. Um, there's the Eucharist, commonly known as communion. That's where you uh, celebrate what Jesus did during the Passover right before he was going to die, which is you eat the bread, you drink the wine or grape juice, um, and that way you celebrate what Jesus is doing for us. And then, of course, now I've forgotten it. Baptism, Eucharist, and there's a third one. And I'll think of it in a minute, and when I do... But so then each denomination decides why which one is important or how to do which one and that's the way to do it. So there's Can you this, give me an example? Sure. Um, do you baptize when you're a baby or do you have to be baptized when you're old enough to understand what baptism is, whatever that means? So you have this class that you go to and if you're 10 years old and you can answer all the questions correctly, then you can be baptized. Um, do you have to be a full-on adult? Um, some churches say you can only get baptized at this one specific time. And that's why we're this denomination. Um, there's a great joke, and I'm not going to tell the whole thing because it takes forever. But it's these two Baptists, and uh, one of them is, is in trouble, and the, the law is coming after him. And so... He says, help me, help me. And the other one says to him, okay, well, are you a Christian? Yes. Are you a Baptist? Yes. Okay, do you believe in uh, the Bible, the translation, the new, the King James Version from 1865, or the King James Version, and he goes, yes. And then he says, the King James Version from 1865? No, 1883. Get out of here. I'm not going to help you. And there's a whole laundry list that they go through in the joke, and you can see why it's ridiculous, because you're only going to love people if they follow all these different rules and so the main issue that as a protestant i have with the catholic church is how ritualized it is how much of it is just this sort of um come in and you have to do these specific things and there's so many rules and for me personally i'm not big on having a whole bunch of rules if you've got three rules that's probably more than enough for me if you've got more than that, oh, this is going to be a long day because I can't keep track of all of them. So for me personally, and the way I'm built, and the way I interact with the world, the way God has made me to be, trying to follow all those rules is just too much for me. I do think that there are people who that's what they need. They absolutely that's the very best thing that could ever happen for them. They need the structure. They need the routine. They need, you know, this is all the ways that you do it. Um, they need to not have to wander off in all, into all these metaphors and all of these, you know. There's something beautiful, though, because the Catholic Church, uh, bef well, it, it, all the churches run back and forth. And so they can get very flat, uh, to become too much like the, the current world social order. Um, but one of the beautiful things is if you go to a lot of the old cathedrals that are in Catholic churches or Eastern Orthodox churches or any of the Orthodox churches, and Orthodox for me means it has a bunch of rules that you have to follow. 
Um, <laughs> and for me, uh, Eastern Orthodox is Catholic fancy. <laughs> or Catholic light. No, it's, it's fancy. Oh, okay, and who's Catholic light? Lutheran. Lutherans are Catholic light, right? So you have, you build this whole spectrum of uh, from the loosest, no rules at all, all the way to like there's a rule for every single thing, and you have to follow all of them. And that's basically what it is. Um, it's just different ways that is are more comfortable for different human beings to interact with this is how we're going to worship God. Um, to me, that's all it is. So Catholics are Christians. They do love Jesus. They do believe in Jesus. And once again, it's God's job to judge. So if I'm taking time out of my life to try to judge people and claim that the way they are interacting with God or the way they worship God is... Um, is wrong, then I better first and foremost have biblical background that can support that, that is within context, that makes sense with, and also it's not just me judging based on my personal preference. Um, so that's basically how I look at the Catholic Church. Um, it is a church that is about loving Jesus Christ, honoring Him, following Him, um, it sticks with the Bible and doesn't add a whole bunch of other extra biblical things. My issues with the Mormon church is that they have a separate book that is supposedly just as important and will tell you just as much about who God is as the Bible does. And that seems to be getting into a lot of trouble because there's a lot of things in it that are, to me, too magical as opposed to... When you read the Bible, it is a library. There's going to be legends. There's going to be epic stories. There's going to be these different things. And if you can read it as such, to me, it's like when you look at Abraham, uh, you're kind of looking at how we used to in America look at George Washington. We didn't talk about the fact that he had slaves. We didn't talk about the fact that he was a human being who lived within a specific time and did all the exact same things that all the people in that time frame did. The story of George Washington was, he's this great president who's brave, he crossed the Delaware, he led the armies, he fought off the, the evil British, he had some wooden teeth, so that's kind of like our little joke in there to nudge at, don't forget he is human, but let's remember this is a legend, it's just the main high points of heroic, you know, we're not going to ever talk about he went to the bathroom or he ate food or... You know, any of those kind of, as a boy, he fell down and, uh, you know, hurt his knee and bled a little bit. This is a legend. We're not talking about any of those realistic aspects of what happens with an actual human being. And so as you read the Bible, you get into some of that as well. But something to keep in mind is there are a bunch of books of the Bible that were written near the same time as the Bible was written. Actually, a little bit later for most of them. And they're not in the canonical Bible. They're not part of it. And that's because they hold these magic moments. For instance, there's a, an extra-biblical book that says that when Jesus was a little boy, he found a bird that was dead, picked the bird up, closed his hands over it, and then let the bird fly away, making it alive again. It doesn't help us to believe in a Savior or who God is to hear that a little child wants to bring everything back to life and go against the natural order. And there's other things where it's just magic. It's just, you know, 
<laughs> speaking the special words that cause God, force God to do what uh, a human being wants him to do. And so we have it to... It doesn't seem... Right. We have possible. to take that out because it doesn't align with reality. So that's kind of some of the things that go into all of that. Uh, does that all make sense? Is that all helpful? Does that answer your question? Yes, yes, and yes. Okay. All right. Um, man, I just, I think this is a great verse. I think I really enjoyed how the message is written. The part that stands out to me is we're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. I keep coming back to this as we've been looking at all the grace verses. Christians are not perfect. And when we try to bring our perfection, our self-righteousness, our good works, they're toilet, used toilet paper as far as God is concerned. And so what's going on is we're learning and we're messing it up as we learn. We're like little children trying to learn a new thing. And God's teaching us how to do it. But we have this habit of doing it the wrong way. And so we're learning how to let go of an indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. Um, you, you've got to remember that every person is starting from wherever they start from. And they're being trained from that point to move towards God. And so, you know, it's easy to think that someone who, as we would judge them, acts badly isn't a good Christian. But if we had actually known how they were a week before, a month before, a year before, 10 years before, if we could see the progress that God has brought into their life, we would recognize, man, they're really doing well. But then we see someone else who acts a little bit better, but is kind of a jerk. And we look at them and we go, well, that person's a better Christian than this person, not realizing that if we looked at a week before, a day before, a year before all of that, we would see that they're actually sliding further and further away from God. So for us, by our way of judging, the person who's running away from God the most looks like a good Christian, and the person who's struggling because they're trying to become closer to God and are actually moving towards God looks worse, but they're the one who's the better Christian in God's sight. And we don't know who who's who as we move around in this world and life, which is why it's not our job to judge. Our job is to love people and to continue to allow God to teach us how to turn our backs on the evil and move towards what is good, which is him. Anything else about this verse stand out for you, my love? No, that was it. All right. Let's move on to the next one. It's this one right here. What is the address oh. and then the verse? Address is Romans 3.24. Am I doing it wrong? It's fine. Just do it like that. Uh, you're funny, woman. Technical difficulties. But in our time, something new has just been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. The God setting things right that we read about has come, has become Jesus setting things right for us. Not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives, God wills... That's the end of it. 
We're incapable of living the glorious life God wills us to. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So once again, this is Romans, and it's one of the first eight chapters of Romans, which means this is Paul explaining theology to a bunch of people who are going to the Christian church in Rome. And at this time, Rome is the superpower. They um, basically rule over the known world, and it's pretty much like being someone who goes to church nowadays in the United States of America. We need to know what the theology actually is and let go of all the things that a bunch of our churches and uh, movies and everything else has told us is who God is. We've got to let go of all of that. We've got to come back to what the Bible actually says. And when we read the first eight chapters of Romans, we get, here's what theology is, here's who God is, here's who Jesus Christ is, here's how they are interacting with us in the world, here's what the Holy Spirit is, and who the Holy Spirit is, and how God, who is all three of those, is together interacting with us, what God has done for us by sending Jesus to die for us, and save us from running off and doing all these things that we think are good, and are probably directed towards something that is good, a good gift from God, and yet, because of the way that we're pursuing it, it's actually going to be a big problem. It's going to lead to some nasty consequences. And so, that's what Paul is doing here. Paul's writing this letter to explain to the Christians in Rome, hey, here's who God is, here's what God's all about, and here's how we need to respond as we understand who God is. What stands out in this verse for you, my love? Uh, what stands out is, for there is no difference between us and them in this. Ooh, okay. I just think how many times I've set myself up as us versus them. Mm, yep. Me versus them. Yeah. My family's like this, their family's like that. Um, I'm Catholic, you're Protestant. And my way's the right way. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm, I'm in the ooh. know, they're ignorant. Ooh, uh-huh. I'm vaccinated, they're not. Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, come on. Talk about it now. Mm -hmm. Talk about it now. Um, and that goes together with, um, we've compiled this long and sorry record <laughs> as sinners. Mm -hmm. Says both us and them. Ooh, uh-oh. So what it tells me is that everybody's sinning. Mm -hmm. It just might look different. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And... If I think for a second that my sins are better than their sins because I'm not doing what they're doing, mm. then I really got to take a moment and look at myself. So before I start judging everybody else on, on what they're doing, I got to take a real hard look at myself. And what standard are you going to use when you look at yourself? I'm going to use the Bible standard because I don't... Everything else was just created by other people who are also sinning. And just preferences that we each have. Speaking of which, you forgot the most important. Us versus them. Does the toilet paper go over uh, or under? It goes over, people. It goes over. <laughs> could care less. Could care less. Is there paper? Is it available to you? And of course, I'm... 
I'm joking, but my point is, <laughs> I do prefer that the toilet paper goes over the top. Uh, you, you're right on point. You're right on point. And that's why it's so heartbreaking to see in this world as, as Christians set themselves up against people. And I say that, and the easiest ways to look at it are Christian people who claim to be Christian saying that people who are gay are wrong, evil, bad, and unforgivable. Being homosexual, in for me personally, is the same as lying, is the same as cheating, is the same as stealing, is the same as any other way that we are doing something that goes against what God says is the way to live life. And what that means is, as long as I am falling behind on any of those other things, then I don't have a leg to stand on to judge someone who's homosexual. I don't have a leg to stand on to judge someone who's transgender or non-binary or whatever it is that they're doing. Because what is our job? Our job is to love people. And even when I disagree with something that a person is doing, my job is still to love that person because they are a holy and dearly loved child of God who he is pleased with, even when he cannot approve of the things they're doing. And what's saddest to me is, my, my belief is that the only way to change human behavior and human beings and the world is to love the individual human beings who we actually have interaction with. And so it's amazing to me as we read the stories of Jesus, when you see him sitting at a table to eat with people, the religious people might show up and they might, they might eat with him, but most of the time they're complaining that he's eating with tax collectors, prostitutes, uh, murderers, um, thieves, people who are rejected by the religious society, mm-hmm. and sometimes even just by society. Because, yes, it's a lot safer to hang out with people who follow all of society's rules. But we're all breaking society's rules, just like we're all breaking God's rules. Some of us just do it in a human-wise, more acceptable way. So you're right on point with this, babe. Um, What you're bringing up is exactly right. Our job is not to judge these people. You know, It's, it's easy as someone who's white to look at what Colin Kaepernick did taking a knee and what all these NFL players did taking a knee and not understand it and not and wonder or even try to maybe stand against it. Um, to stand against these movements of Black Lives Matter or um, whatever it is. Pick, pick whichever one you, you are struggling with and understand these people are all hurting and they're disappointed with how they're being treated. And whether you want to agree with how they're doing, what they're doing to bring attention to it, each individual person still needs to be loved and cared about. And that's our actual job as Christians. And so one of the things that's so freeing about being a Christian is we can let go of judging people because they're part of this protest or that group or whatever it is. And we can simply acknowledge the fact that every human being is hurting every human being from that hurt is trying to do something that's going to lessen their pain and we know that that's reality because we do it ourselves so if we'll love those people then the pain can be lessened 
And one of the hardest parts about loving people in that way is understanding how God does it, which brings me back to the story of the prodigal son, which is respecting people's decision to do things in their pain that we disagree with that may even cause them more pain and not jumping in to stop their pain from happening because God is using that pain, the least amount of pain necessary to change their hearts and to change our hearts. I think you're right on point, babe. I think you're right on point. Is there anything else with this verse that stands out to you? Or I think you're right on point. And once again, after saying all of that, I also want to point out it's still hard to do. It's still uncomfortable. It's still difficult to... It's always difficult to see someone who is in pain and who is doing something that I wish they would not do because it might cause them more pain. Um, yes. But I love this verse also because it says the God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. The best part of that is we're receiving. We're receiving. We're not doing anything to set things right. We're not the ones who get to make things right. God is the one who's doing all of that work. All right, let's do one more verse. Thank you all so much for being. We're so glad to have you here with us. And um, let's do one more verse. It's a pretty short verse, so let's, let's check it out. The address is Numbers 625, and it says, God smile on you and gift you. Ooh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm pretty sure this is actually um, from one of my favorite uh, verses that's used as a blessing to people. And uh, the, the way it is here in the message is God smile on you and gift you. Um, the way I'm used to hearing it is God bless you and keep you. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Yes. So one of the things about this verse is it's the very first verse we've come across that comes from the Old Testament that is about grace. And it is about God giving grace to us. And if I remember it correctly, and you can once again correct me if I'm wrong, God bless you and keep you. God make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Oh, and of course, the flip side of that is, may God give you the strength to accept the peace that he gives you. May you be willing to accept peace into your life. We all love drama. <laughs> Is there anything about this verse that stands out to you, my love? Let me ask it a different way. Do you believe that God is smiling at you? Yes. Do you believe that when he looks at you and when he looks at what you're doing, at what you're doing, he's able to smile at you? Yes. Why? I didn't always. Okay. Uh, I really believed that I was excluded from salvation. Hmm. Interesting. Tell me more. Um, from a very young age. I just, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere in society. Um, and so I just did not feel like I was acceptable. And so I believed that God had salvation for other people, for everybody else, but not me. Mm. So today... Yeah, I believe it, but I didn't always. I've been there myself, and I think one of the heartbreaking things for me that I realized as I was dealing with it was that's a point of really heartbreaking pride 
what is it that I could do so wrong or have that's so bad about me that God, who's all-powerful, can't forgive? Um, it's setting myself above God by judging myself by some standard that doesn't make any sense. I can't defend that standard. Um, but feeling that way, absolutely. Absolutely. And the feeling... There's something valid about the feeling. There's something valid about the feeling alone, about feeling disconnected, about feeling like we can't connect to people. And the joy of that emotion is that it gives us the energy to say, okay, what do I need to do differently? And we've talked about this a lot through this uh, talking about grace is more often than not, what we have to do differently is admit to other people that we make mistakes too. And that we are going through a learning process and that um, we fall on our face and that it's okay. Because as we've both found out, the way to actually have connection with other human beings is to tell the stories where we didn't do the right thing. And yet God made it work out for good. Where we made a mistake or we, you know, we were learning and so we didn't do it the right way. Um, and everybody has those stories. You know, and that's where we as human beings connect. So I love it that you're able now to accept that God is smiling on you, that he looks at you and sees someone who he loves and who he wants to hang out with and connect with. And God is in pursuit of us. Oh, what a great thing to to recognize and to know about. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And that's a great place for us to... Let this session come to a close. We're so grateful to have you. We are thrilled that you are here. Please, please, please. Follow and subscribe on Twitch to chat with us. Like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for joining us on this adventure. Much love to all the adventurers. Exit.